Hi, everybody. This is Jackie. Welcome to the Let's Talk TEFL podcast. So joining me today is Maya Lepola. Um, we met in South Korea, and she's now living in Canada. So welcome to the show, Maya. Hi, thank you so much. And so can you just tell us um, maybe a little bit of information about how you got started with teaching English and how you ended up in Korea and then going back to Canada? So yeah, what's your story with, with teaching ESL? Uh, actually, it was a bit of a long journey to get there. When I first went to university, I didn't really think I wanted to be a teacher. So I went through for business and was going to be a lawyer and changed my mind. And 10 years later, I wanted to travel and kind of see the world. And my cousin had actually gone to Korea to teach. So I sort of followed in her footsteps a little bit thinking, okay, I can teach, make money and travel. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I fell in love with teaching and really, really loved seeing kids make those connections and learning and seeing them learn the English language, which I up until that point had kind of taken for granted. And, and seeing them really learn and love it and how many doors it opened for myself and my students. So that's sort of how I kind of fell into it. And from there, I, I was in Korea, thought I would only be for one year and then ended up two. And then uh, like everybody. <laughs> I know, right? And then, yeah, decided to come home and uh, do teacher's college about 10 years after I did my first degree. So it was a little bit of a late start, but uh, loving it now. So, so that's um, a really interesting um, option <clears throat> for, for people who've been teaching abroad to go back to their home countries and become a certified teacher. Um, I actually have lots of friends who, who did that to England and the U.S. and just various countries. Um, so would you recommend that to other people or was it difficult? What, was it easy because you already had some experience with teaching or yeah. So what was that experience like? It wasn't the easiest, but the nice thing is it has become a bit easier from what I understand, because when I first came back, um, I did my teaching degree and then I actually got hired on for supply right away. Um, but there was no LTO list back then. So it took a long it took me about three years to get any sort of permanent um, long-term occasional jobs. So it, mm. it does take time. And I actually ended up when we met is when I went back to Korea mm -hmm. because I could take a leave of absence from the board here. So it was a, like, it took me about, I'd say seven years to become permanent. And that's in board. Ontario, right? Yes, that's in Ontario. And that's in London, Ontario, which is uh, Thames Valley District School Board, which I believe is the second second or third biggest board in the country. So seven years is a bit of a long journey <laughs> to become a full-time teacher. It was. That's it tough. Was. Now, from what I hear, it's about three, two to three before you get permanent. Could be even four, depending on um, what you sort of take as jobs beforehand. Mm -hmm. And connections are key. You really want to get into schools, uh, volunteer, make uh, connections with principals, get on their shortlist for supply, and then that will kind of get you into LTOs even faster. And so supply is substitute teaching, just for some people yes. who might not know yes. that term. Um, I know, it's occasional teaching, supplies, so there's all kinds of names. It's true. So <laughs> now you have a full-time position. So what, yes. so what, so like, what are you doing in your um, full-time position? 
So what I'm doing currently is I teach something called a learn class and what it is, it's a targeted language and math program for students who have missed a significant portion of schooling um, due to uh, war or uh, some students have never even gone to school before arriving in Canada. Um, and most of my students are uh, Syrian refugees. And so now we are really targeting that language and math before they move on to high school because my morning students are uh, grade eight. And then in the afternoon, I teach straight ESL and I work one on one with kids from all over the world. Um, and most of those students have had some sort of formal schooling before arriving in Canada. That sounds so challenging. Um, I just I, I just think back to my experiences teaching in Korea. And I mean, like by the time I got the students in university, they'd all studied English for whatever, like 12 years or something like that. Yeah. Or 10 years. And they all knew kind of the basic alphabet and basic reading skills, vocabulary. It was just they struggled a little bit with like actually just speaking and like they were a little bit shy about speaking or whatever. But yeah, teaching people who've never really been in a classroom in some cases or had like formal education. Um, and so like, where do you even start with that? Um, that seems overwhelming to me. Honestly, it's a lot of just connection at first. Like I do sort of identity exercises, we call them. Mm -hmm. And a lot, a lot of like mind mapping and I'll model putting, you know, my name and I'll do a little doodle of myself beside it and then have them sort of do it with me and they can do their own. And then we just sort of go through uh, arms on a mind map and kind of draw our families and draw our likes and things we can do. And usually I'll uh, always Google Translate is my best friend. Um, so a lot of times I'll Google Translate uh, words to describe me and words to describe them. And we just sort of kind of move through little identity activities at first, because a lot of times you really need to gain their trust and uh, work with where they're at. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, for, for sure. Any teaching situation um, is all about gaining trust and building a relationship with students. But I can see in that uh, particular situation, it would be even more um, just kids that have very traumatic backgrounds. Obviously, if, if they're a refugee or their families are refugees, um, something is not going right in their, mm -hmm. their own country. Mm -hmm. um, where they've been living. Um, so how much support is there for you in that situation? It, it sounds kind of emotionally like quite draining and also just difficult having to use Google Translate and that kind of stuff. Are there resources to support you in that? Oh, yes. We have uh, a large ESL team with our board and I'm so fortunate. My first ESL job a few years ago um, I was paired up with um, an older ESL or a more experienced ESL teacher mm -hmm. and um, she sort of showed me the ropes and had 12 years in and knew little tricks of the trade that I could kind of bounce ideas off of her or scenarios that I had maybe never I had a student who was just completely mute and would not communicate with anyone and I had never come across that before and I didn't know what to do. So having sort of a mentor to talk to and, and get ideas from was 
unbelievable. And then also, I still keep in touch with a few of the people back from Korea as well. And they're teaching around the world and to have them to talk to and get ideas from is just so key. And to vent, you know, when you're having a day or whatnot, like I find again with the connection and and building a, a support team around you is just so lovely. And then our board does that as well because we have learning coordinators that we can go to and um, system principals that are always there to offer advice and bringing guest speakers in. They brought um, Carol Salva in from the States a few years ago and mm. she taught us a lot as well. And it's it's really awesome the amount of support I do have. Nice. So, mm-hmm. um, and so your experience in Korea, um, did it help you teaching in Canada or are the kind of contexts just too different that it that, that you had to kind of relearn everything again and also you went back to school I guess after well yeah probably you went back to school I did yeah um, I did after Korea, Korea school work Korea work <laughs> <laughs> okay that makes sense so so was it super different or were there any similarities um between those two situations oh my gosh the the experience I had in Korea definitely helped me, especially because I was at a hogwan in Korea. So I was the younger students who didn't have any English, right? Some of them walked in at three years old. So a lot of using pictures and hand signals and um, they tell me I look like a cartoon sometimes because I'm so expressive <laughs> with my face. And I find that really, really helps and learning that there and just being comfortable with kind of you know, putting yourself out there and sort of being on stage sometimes mm-hmm. um, really, really helped with being comfortable in a classroom over here and, and classroom management. And there's so many things, curriculum building. There's so many things that I took from Korea that just helped so much. Oh, for sure. One of the huge skills that I took from Korea that I think can apply to any context almost is public speaking and standing up in front of however many people, 20 or 30 or 50 people, and everyone's watching you and just talking and not dropping the ball on that. Yeah. So for sure, any experience in a classroom, well, like at the front of the classroom and leading a class, I think will be valuable um, just in life in, in many different situations. Oh, for sure. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, another one is the adaptability it taught us. Mm -hmm. Like, because sometimes you get up there and it's not going the way you planned. So you really have to think on your feet and change it around. And I find especially, well, in all classroom situations, but with ESL, especially because sometimes the words that are coming out of your mouth are not getting across. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The deer in headlights look. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So you have to just quick on your feet and change it. So I'm, I've, oh, there's so much about Korea that I'm just so thankful for. For sure. Me too. Yeah. It, it was probably the best um, thing I did in my life. I always say, um, yeah, I loved it. I loved my, my 10 years there and yeah, took a lot from it for sure to my life in Canada here. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, I was just so, going to say go the nice thing now too, when I first got back, um, my board did not accept that time in Korea and didn't really acknowledge it. But since then, they now acknowledge it, take it as amazing experience. Plus, you can get it added on to your years of service with the board here. So I got a pay increase and a year of service increase due to the time in Korea that they accepted. So that's That's a cool thing too. Yeah. So just um, you've been to Korea and taught um, outside Canada, but your colleagues that are teaching ESL 
um, for your local scoop, uh, school board? Have most of them taught outside the country or do many of them just choose maybe like ESL in university or just before they go to teacher training or something like that? What's kind of the common experience with that? Well, with ESL, you choose it sort of, well, it's tricky because you, with our board, I'm not sure exactly how other boards work, but basically you're still, you're always hired as a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. So every year you're, um, what you're teaching can change, but what you can do is after you get hired or after you do your teaching degree, you can go back and get additional qualifications. So I've done my ESL specialist, which you do in three parts, and then that increases your salary, plus it also increases your um sort of specialist. So then you can get a job in ESL a little bit easier. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. So do you have any advice for someone who is maybe um, in their early, early 20s or something like that, and just thinking about getting started kind of in the English teaching journey around the world or in Canada? Um, What's some advice that you have for them? I would really do my research. Always, there's so many forums now that you can follow um, that there's a lot of expat forums that really kind of give you the ins and outs of the country you're looking for. Because back when I was looking, I only knew of Korea, but now like there's so many, I know people who have taught in England and Portugal and there's so many countries. So find an expat community online, I think. And we're always willing to ask questions or answer questions. And I love giving advice to new teachers and kids that are going, because why not learn from what we've done and what we've, you know, failed at or, or done well. So I always think that is a really good one. Plus volunteer. Like I'm always willing to accept volunteers. Well, I mean, this year has been a bit tricky, but hopefully come September, we're allowed to welcome volunteers in Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. and go to the office at a local school and just say, hey, I'm looking at going into teaching. I was wondering if you have any volunteers or any classrooms that are needing anyone um, specifically ESL. And a lot of times you'll find that people are willing to have volunteer help because we need all the help we can get. So criminal background check and then head over to volunteer And uh, even when you're supplying, it's always a good idea to do as well. For sure. Teaching is not for everybody. I mean, and that's okay. (laughs) I think some people are natural teachers and then other people are maybe not natural teachers, but they've like learned um, or are willing to to, like give it their best shot. And then just there's another group of people who just don't like it. They don't like being in the, the center of attention and don't like being a bit of an entertainer. Uh, And that kind of thing, which is totally okay. So I think that's such great advice about volunteering. I think you're going to know within the first like week (laughs) if it's for you or not for you. And it'll be obvious, I think. (laughs) Definitely. Because you kind of want to. Well, and that's why I ended up going to Korea first before I went to teacher's college. Because my mom was a teacher. So she always said, be a teacher, be a teacher. I said, no. (laughs) I don't want to and so then that's part of why I went to Korea just to sort of test it out so if you're you know still kind of debating head well once we can head to a country foreign country and see if you can start teaching there and if you like it or not because then you'll also be able to make money travel and if you don't like it then at least you had a great experience yeah for sure I I think um, going to another country for a year to teach English is is such a great way 
to see a part of the world. And I, I like how you can be immersed in that culture to some degree. I mean, you can't really be immersed in a year. Um, that takes, you know, a decade or decades to be fully immersed, oh, yeah. but you can experience way more of what it's actually like. Um, yeah, for a year and in interacting with um, the locals on a daily basis, every day at work, <laughs> you're interacting with the locals. Um, yeah, so I, I highly recommend it. It's like an interesting way to travel for sure. Well, and especially if you're interested in getting to ESL back here, because it gives you that fish out of water feeling like I get sometimes why my students are afraid to talk at school or just want to sit quietly or don't want to get up in front of a classroom because, you know, not understanding anything that's being said is a, is a weird feeling at first. So it really helps you kind of identify with the students you might end up teaching. Oh, for sure. Empathy is a huge thing. I have so much empathy for people who don't speak English, just wow. that I encounter in my daily life. I just think, oh man, your life is tough here. And like, Oh yeah, I do my best, but it's like, cause that was my life in Korea. And it's like, mm -hmm. I totally just, I get it. I a hundred percent get it. And what a struggle it is for sure. Oh, definitely. And All right, they so still come every day happy. So it just makes me, makes me want to do better. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. So do you have any other advice for um, potential teachers? Know that it is a tough job, but the rewards are unbelievable unbelievable to to help with raising little humans is is mm -hmm. such a, a lovely lovely job and it, it, once you do get there it does take time and it's a lot of perseverance but once you do get to that permanent job and and you know really get into a school and see kids grow from grade five to eight or whatnot it is definitely worth it but yeah it's not for everybody I could see that being so rewarding. Um, I'm just thinking about like teaching in Korea um, at a hogwan. You're teaching English to the students, but they're going outside the classroom and never using English. Mm -hmm. Where at like a school in Canada teaching ESL, um, those kids are going out at recess. They're going, you know, out into the world on the weekends, uh, into the regular classrooms at some point in time, and they're actually using everything you're teaching them. So I think that would be so rewarding and, and more, I think they would have more motivation. Um, oh yeah, for sure. All right, Maya. So um, I think those are kind of all the questions I had. Um, did I miss any questions or anything else you'd like to add or um, yeah, I'll just leave it open, open to you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's it. I, yeah, I, I honestly can't recommend ESL enough. It's, it's just an amazing thing to see the perseverance of, especially refugee students and seeing, hearing the things they can tell you that they saw and had to do at ages of six and seven. And it just really grounds you and, and makes you so appreciative of your job every day. So I just, mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. If you are looking for it and if you're interested and there's a lot of I've met so many amazing teachers that are willing to help and uh, help you out along the way so always always reach out and ask questions and ask for help it's time for the teaching tip of the week this week is a dart gun or splat ball review game so I think a dart gun is pretty self-explanatory uh, of course I'm talking about the kind with a suction cup 
Although you may not want to use them in COVID times, you may not want students to be licking the bottom of the suction cup. And as often as you say, here's a wet sponge, they will inevitably just lick it. Uh, But an alternative to that is a splat ball, which is just a very sticky ball. And you can get them at the dollar store or whatever. It's something, if you throw it at the whiteboard or a wall, it'll stick you know, usually at least for a few seconds before it starts to kind of slide down. Uh, So it's very clear to the students, like, what target they've hit. And when they hit the target, they uh, say the word, or depending on the student level, you could have them make a sentence, uh, use some other, like, target grammar. You could even have them involve another student, like, whoever goes next. Like, one could make a, a question, and then the next student has to ask, and then they get to either use the dart gun or the splat ball and throw for the next one. Okay, um, if you can't really visualize what I'm talking about, I do have a video on this on my Teach, Travel, Learn YouTube channel. So uh, check that out if you want to see more about a dart gun review game. Awesome. And so if anyone is looking for you online, where can they find you? Yes, I am on Instagram and I believe it's Maya Jane or Maya underscore Jane, one of the two, but it's definitely Maya Jane and it's M-A-I-J-A. Sure. If you send that to me, I'll put that in uh, the notes for everybody to check out. (laughs) All right. And then if you want to um, see all the episodes and the notes and all the good stuff, head over to eslactivity.org slash podcast. And um, yeah, thanks so much, Maya. It was great talking to you and also great to connect again. Definitely. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much, Jackie. You're welcome. All right, everyone. See you later.